All right, so it was 2004. It had to be winter time. Um, let me get situated here. This looks strange with a t-shirt. I apologize. Uh, I don't normally wear t-shirts for our visitors, okay? It's all right. We're celebrating our camp uh, this week, and I'm celebrating the kids' ministry, and we're celebrating together as a church, but this does look kind of strange, so I'm going to accept that. But anyway, so uh, it was 2004, winter of 2004, and I was 12 years old, and at this point in my life, uh, I still had this delusion in my mind that I was going to be in the NBA. I was five foot, five inches tall, probably, probably kind of chunky around the midsection, and I was playing in the Ormond Beach Rec League, which none of you know about, because it's not that big of a deal, right? Um, so I'm, it's 2004, it's wintertime, it's Saturday morning, and for some reason we go to this gym that we don't normally play at, and this is the gym that kind of, a, a lot of us played at kind of just recreationally for fun with our friends, but we usually play our games at a different gym, but this gym, Sunday, Saturday morning, it was completely empty. Usually our other gym, there'd be other families there, they would be selling concessions there, all the normal stuff at a Saturday morning thing, but this gym was different, and it was eerily quiet. It was cold, Florida cold, so I had a light jacket on top of my shorts and my t-shirt, and I walked into the gym, and like I said, it was eerily quiet, and it was so different because usually they had about six basketball courts set up full court this way, but this morning they had the one big court set up this way. Not this way, I'm talking this way. So it was a big deal that morning. And you could feel there was something in the air that morning, the cold, crisp, 65-degree Florida winter air. There was something going on. I was in the Nets that year, so we had white shirts and white shorts, which was the worst color combination in the entire league. And we were playing against the Raptors, who had the purple shirts and black shorts, which was the coolest color combination in the league. And I'm talking, again, this was an eerily quiet Saturday morning. We we're doing our warm-ups, we we're doing our layup lines, and uh, when tip-off goes off, there's something in the air that is just different. So tip-off goes off, and immediately the game becomes extremely physical. Okay, uh, we had a kid on our team, his name was Daniel, and I don't know if you ever played basketball with people, but he was like a big country kid. And the big country kids that are playing basketball are the most dangerous people on the planet because they just play really, really physical, okay? He's a big kid. He was way bigger than everybody else. He was our enforcer for the team, and he was pushing guys out of the paint like nobody's business. We had one kid out there at the perimeter just dogging every, every other ball handler who had the ball, and the Raptors, they were good. They had two kids who were really good at dribbling, really good at passing. They had a good two-man game. The Nets, my team, we were more of a balanced team, a balanced effort. We had our big country in the paint. We had me doing a little bit of everything very mediocrely, and um, it was, like I said, a very, very different atmosphere, a different, very physical game from the very beginning. We were pushing. At one point, a ball was thrown like normal. The ball is going out of bounds. You throw it off somebody to get them to get the ball out of bounds. But it was a little bit more forceful this Saturday morning. There was trouble brewing. It hit the kid in the face. And all of a sudden, a fight's about to break out on Saturday morning in Ormond Beach in the wintertime. And there's no reason for this. I could not under, uh, overestimate the stakes could not be lower for this basketball game. And so um, we keep playing, and as the game, like I said, it keeps getting more and more physical. It's getting very personal at this point 
to the point where the referee, he was my referee for basketball, for, for baseball. He was the same guy, right? And he blows the whistle. He's known all of us since we were five years old. And he says, I'm going to stop this game if you don't stop fighting. And we're looking at each other menacingly as 12-year-olds tend to do, thinking we're tougher than you. We, we could have ended that game in, in a heartbeat if you just let us keep playing ref. And then we did settle down, and we did eventually end the game. I don't know who won that game or who lost that game, but I will never forget the altercation between the Nets and the Raptors that Saturday morning in Ormond Beach, Florida. Me and my friend, my one of my greatest friends to this day, we were on that same team together, and it seems that every single time we get together, we talk about those Raptors. Those Raptors, they just wanted to fight that Saturday morning. But what I come to find out, because I didn't go to middle school with those guys, I actually went to middle school in a different county, but all the guys on the other teams, they all went to middle school together. And there was more things going off the court than there were on the court that I was not privy to, right? These guys were feuding at school. These guys were feuding in their neighborhoods. And I was just out there trying to play basketball. But I was ready for a fight that day because my teammates were ready for a fight that day. But what I didn't know is that the reason the fighting was happening was because of something else totally happening off the court. It didn't help that we were throwing basketballs at each other's faces and and pushing a little bit more than we ought to. Uh, but there was things that were happening that were happening off the court that were brought onto the court. If you watch any kind of sports, you know this happens all the time, right? Especially in baseball. They play way too many games. Sometimes the first pitch comes out and that pitcher, I'm going to hit that very first batter. And what do they do? The batter runs out to the mound and they, they exchange blows sometimes. It's not, it's not ideal, right? They want to play that. You should be playing the game. But there's something else that's going off the court or off the field that translates to the field that you eventually see on the field and you don't know what happened off the field or off the court. There's things unseen. And it doesn't just happen in sports. It happens in your workplace. Unfortunately, it happens with the church as well, right? You sit over here. I sit over here. We're not going to talk to each other for five or six years. We're going to pass each other in the potluck line and say, hi, how are you doing? How's your Sunday going? All that's going to be fine and dandy. But there's things unseen that are taking place, right? Unfortunately, it happens in a lot of different places in our lives. And the reason why I bring this up is um, if you were at Equip, and I wasn't here last Sunday, uh, Pat preached uh, for me last Sunday, but Equip was great. And the verses that we, some of the verses we read this morning come straight from Equip. And for me, Equip kind of illuminated these things for me. There are things unseen in this world that I am not always aware of. Right? There are things that are happening behind the scenes. There are things that are taking place. And I'm not just talking about between people. I'm talking about the grand scale. There are things unseen that are at play that are affecting our day-to-day lives. And as I sat in our classes, I taught a class, and I was on the teen side a lot, and I went to uh, the, the Sunday morning session. We were talking about the armor of God, and I'm sure you've heard about this before, right? Maybe you did a VBS or a Bible class story, but it doesn't just stay a VBS, Right? These verses should be on our minds a lot because they remind us of something that is extremely important, that there are things unseen that are affecting our lives. There are things that we are totally unaware of on a day-to-day basis that we ought to be more aware of on a day-to-day basis. I'm going to read a few verses here from Mark chapter 1. I promise I'm going to be short this morning. This is our praise and worship. We're here to praise and worship, not just hear me talk. Right? I, but I do want to be in the Word together this morning. In Mark chapter 1, this is kind of characteristic of Jesus. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, 
What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently, and he came out with a shriek. The people were all so amazed, and they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And if you read through Mark especially, there's a lot of these interactions where Jesus is teaching, he enters a city, and all throughout the Gospels as well, but especially in Mark, they really, really key into this, where he is, he's interacting with people, and then all of a sudden these demons, these spirits, they're crying out to him. And, and we could spend a lot of time saying, well, the demons, they knew who he was, but it's so, so interesting. I love the words that people say here in verse 22. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. The people saw his, the words that he was speaking as different. Like he spoke with authority and things were just different when Jesus said them. But what they didn't realize is that he also had authority on the things they could not even see. And even when they witnessed this, I'm not sure they fully comprehended the power and authority that Jesus had on the things that they are unable to see. But Jesus, at the same time, seems to be communicating with two different realms simultaneously. The things that we see and the things that are unseen. And we could read this gospel story and say, praise Jesus for having that authority. And we could read this and we could say, these interactions just stay here. But when I read the words of Paul, and when I read the words of Peter that we read earlier, I kind of notice that there are things unseen that are happening still to this day. And if we're not going to acknowledge them, I think we're, we're falling straight into the devil's traps for us. If we're not acknowledging the things around us that are straight from Satan himself, I think we're not going to be armed and ready to have those fights and those battles in our day-to-day lives. Right? The full armor of God isn't just something that we can do for VBS. It is something that we actually practically need to do on a day-to-day basis. If you have your Bibles, be in Ephesians chapter 6. I hear these words, and then, at least for me, sometimes in ministry, I can get so caught up in what's in front of me. I get so caught up in the people, and I, and I think people are the ministry. I love the interruptions. I love going and, and helping and being the hands and feet of Jesus to people. But when I read these verses, it kind of puts uh, more things, there's more at stake is what I'm saying. It's not just the people. It's not just the relationships. It's not just the things that we can do, the ministries we can start. But there's something deeper at play that we need to be aware of when we're dealing with the people. Verse 13 says this, Therefore, excuse me, let's back up to verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We want to make it about that so often. It's easy for me to put a band-aid on something that I can see. But Paul says this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you have done everything to stand. And he talks about putting on this full armor, but I just want this morning to be about remembering the fact that there are things unseen, there are powers of darkness that are at play in this world and we can't ignore them. We are the people on the front lines kind of defending against that. We are not here to necessarily defend the gospel because it's weak, right? The gospel has enough to say for itself. We don't have to stand against it because it's too weak. We have to be defenders of the gospel so that people know how strong it actually is. 
To, to know the power of Jesus can overwhelm the darkness, right? If Jesus is the light, the light overcomes the darkness. There cannot be darkness where there is light. So as defenders of the gospel, we are not defending some weak, scrawny Jesus. We are saying, no, this light has the power to overcome everything. So my encouragement this morning is not just to, to focus on what's in front of you. The flesh and blood, they're very, very important. Do not get me wrong. Our struggles that we're facing, the people that we help are extremely important. But also, as Jesus did so perfectly, have the things in both of your hands, right? The things that you can see and the things that you can't see. And recognize that the spirit of darkness is always among us. But the spirit of light can always overcome the darkness. Let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for giving us an opportunity to, to sing together. I, I love these mornings because I feel like I can just kind of just rest in your spirit this morning and just hear these words and hear these prayers and these scriptures and just say thank you. I'm so thankful for the Equip Conference and just the reminder that we need to put on the full armor of God. This isn't just something that we teach our kids and that's not just a great VBS thing. It's a great, great thing for that, but it's also something for us to recognize that there are other things that we cannot see in this world that we are fighting against. There is darkness in this world that we are fighting against. God, help us to be a light in those places. Help us to recognize that we are not defending a weak gospel, but we are just projecting the light. We are a, we are a, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, God. And that light comes from you. Help us to recognize our role in that as we go through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. But we do want to offer an invitation this morning. We do want to offer a time if you are seeking some sort of light in your life, if you feel like you're in a period of darkness, please allow the church to surround you. If you are wanting to take on Christ in baptism, we want to surround you. If you want to say, I'm struggling with this, we want to surround you. This is your time to come forward while we stand and sing.